This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Twenty twenty will forever be remembered as the year of a once-in-a-century pandemic, but it should be recognized that it was also the year we all got reacquainted with our homes. From streaming a late-night movie in the living room to hopping on an early-morning conference call in our home offices or closets or spare bedrooms, in 2020, our homes were asked to do it all. Almost a year ago, David Marine, the CMO of Coldwell Banker, joined Marketing Trends to detail the company's ambitious rebranding strategy, and he's back now to update us on how it all worked out. 2020 is going to be the year of the rebrand, and what a great year it's going to be with all these plans, and as you know... 2020 happened to all of us. So things changed, but here we are a year later. And I can honestly tell you with a straight face that 2020 was actually the perfect year for Coldwell Banker to rebrand. Things may have turned out well for Coldwell Banker, but it wasn't easy. Campaigns had to be altered, messaging and digital strategies were scrapped and shifted on a dime. And David was along for every step of the ride. On this episode of Marketing Trends, David tells us what it was like, and he details the wins and losses of 2020 for Coldwell Banker. Plus, he dives into how marketers can be agile in their digital efforts so that they too can rebrand or adjust when the time calls for it. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by recurring guest, David, how are you? Doing well, Ian. How are you doing? Thanks for having me back. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming back. Uh, well, we said we'd said we'd have you back, you know, after uh, after a year to check in on on some of the cool stuff that you all are doing at Coldwell Banker, and here we are. So for those of our listeners who maybe missed the first episode, can you kind of share where Coldwell Banker is at in terms of this rebrand that you all did and uh, and where you're at as CMO? Yeah. So actually, uh, I've been with Cold Banker for going on, it'll be 19 years in March, which is crazy. And as CMO, I got the chance to do the first rebrand in over 42 years uh, for the brand. And we embarked on that in 2019. It's kind of rolling it out in what we call the transparent rebrand, where we shared with our network the direction we were headed and tested it in real world scenarios before officially rolling it out at the start of 2020. And so 2020 is going to be the year of the rebrand and what a great year is going to be with all these plans. And as you know, 2020 kind of happened to uh, to all of us. So things changed, but here we are a year later. And uh, I can honestly tell you with a straight face that 2020 was actually the perfect year for Coldwell Banker to rebrand. And I never would have thought that uh, in March of last year, but Really pleased with the success of what has happened over the course of the year and the way that the network, the industry, and our customer base has reacted to it. Yeah. So, you know, last time we talked a little bit about, you know, this this kind of idea that, you know, a, a great brand is able to respond in, in real time. Obviously, everything, um, you know, with, with housing change, the way that people, you know, went to work change, all that stuff uh, changed. Um, so, you know, you're removed from, from Project North Star. What's your, uh, 
what has been the reaction? What has been, uh, you know, some, some takeaways, uh, both positive and, and maybe uh, some, some lessons learned here? Yeah, when you're changing a brand that is so established, I mean, Coldbanger's been around for 114 years, and we've had the same logo for over 40 years. So implementing a change with something that is so familiar and established is, is a challenge. And I think I even went into it naively saying like, well, no, this is going to be a good thing and everyone's going to be excited about it. And there really was this need to bring people along with you, show them where you're going, show them the reasons why, what are the positive impacts. And we got to that point at the beginning of last year where all of a sudden the story that we were telling, the connection of the idea of the North Star, it's being core to what Colbaker has done since our inception in 1906 of leading our industry with all the industry first that I could share, then all of a sudden it started to resonate with our network. And when it resonates there with your in, internal base, then all of a sudden it propels to the, to the customers. And uh, I talked a lot about authenticity in our message. And if it came out and it wasn't authentic to who we were already saying we are as a brand and how consumers were viewing us, then it would have fallen flat. But because that authenticity and that consistent leadership and being a trusted brand had already been laid for us, not only recent history, but for a long time, that made it that much better received. Uh, and we've done a ton of research around the rebrand, the effectiveness we wanted to see, is it changing people's perception of the brand? Is it changing agents' perception? And so the two things that I'm really most excited about, one is that we have 99% awareness of our rebrand within the agent community, which is great. I told my team on December 30th of last year, I was like, can we get that to 100%? Like, who's the one person I need to call that doesn't know about this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not checking their phone. <laughs> right. And then I was told that statistically it can't be 100%. So whatever. So it's 99% awareness. But then even better than that is that the rebrand has shown a 60% increase in positive perception of the brand. So when they saw visuals of the rebrand, when they saw the implementation with messaging, it said, you know what? This actually makes me think more positively of Cole Banker. We already had a great perception but it's just making that much more of a positive impact. And that's exactly what we wanted this rebrand to do. Yeah. I'm curious. I wonder, well, so first off, how, how yeah, how do you, how do you kind of measure those things? What, what sort of, what sort of things do you look at to measure that? Cause that's, that's great data. Yeah. We've done a ton of research, both consumer as well as within the real estate industry. And so even in the fall of last year, we interviewed 600 agents outside of our brand, 600 inside of the brand to say, what are the, what is your general perception of Call Banker? Uh, look at the different graphics from before the rebrand to now, different logo treatments. What's, what is your change in opinion of us from that? And that's really where that 60% came from. This is people reacted to the way that our yard signs look, the office design, our messaging, all of that was showing, hey, you know what? This, this feels much fresher. It's still true to Call Banker. I recognize that name. It's a trusted name in real estate. But you know what? It feels more current, more modern, a brand that I'd like to know more about with some of the reactions we got. But then it's also testing through what we're doing from consumer media perspective. And this is actually one of the, the, the greatest ways to, to see the effectiveness of it is we're seeing some of the similar creative executions that we had done in the past through social are seeing 3X click-through rate and responsiveness to our ads now that it has new design, the new messaging on it than it did even a year before. So that we're totally changing tactics and audience approach and all that's using the same things, but just seeing that much more of a reaction to it is showing that this message is resonating with that audience. 
and people are reacting to it as well. So we're seeing proof points both on the, the softer side of things as well as the hard numbers with how our media is performing. Yeah, that's awesome. What a great case study on, on you know, why, why to do that after 40 years um, to, to figure that out. Because when you talk about, you know, getting a higher percentage click-through rate, getting, uh, you know, higher visibility, all of those things. I mean, that's like, that's just straight dollar spent, right? I mean, like you can actually get the ROI of the rebrand. I mean, that is return on ad spend at its finest. You want to be more efficient. You want to make sure that your messaging is connecting with that audience better. Those proof points actually show that. We also love to use a tool called Ace Metrics, which is rates your advertising through a consumer panel on a whole bunch of different categories. And for years, uh, I like to use that as the, uh, the scoreboard for how our messaging is working with the real estate consumer. And we can compare it against competitors. And we saw that our, our campaign that we rolled out for the rebrand, which touted guiding you home for 114 years, uh, was the highest rated ad in real estate last year, and which marks the ninth straight year that we've had the most effective advertising in the industry. And I'm just t- not talking about normal competitors that are other brokerages, but even real estate aggregators and popular sites that people visit, we're outperforming all of them. And we're outperforming them with the target markets that we want to as well. So uh, females with higher household income are rating the ads highest and are the most connected with that messaging. Also minority groups rated higher than, than non-minority groups. And so those are all growth areas that we see. And using the rebrand message and this idea of, of guiding people home uh, was connecting with people even in the midst of a pandemic when we were already, already home most of the time. And I think that speaks to the idea that we've been true to this message for quite some time in understanding the softer side of home ownership as well as the rational side. And this idea of being the North Star and being that guide uh, is something that people connect with. And it's basically uh, feels like an authentic story. Yeah, it's funny. It's like if you were to have the alt, like REI is going to run like an alternate campaign that's like guiding you anywhere from home, right? Because it's like, but, but, I, but I think it speaks to something that's, you know, been such a huge trend of the past year, which is like everybody looking at the four walls that they live in and saying, are these the ones that I want to spend the next year in? Um, So there is some of that where it's like, you know, I think that more than ever, you know, people are using apps to look at, you know, ways to redesign their homes. People are looking at remodels. People are looking at, you know, anyway, bump outs and all those things. uh, And they're looking for for new places to live because they're like, you know, hey, I, I, you know, I can't be stuck for another year without an office or, you know, whatever it is. Oh, 2020 was the year of home, and it may actually start the the decade of home uh, as we move here, which pun intended, uh, and and become more entrenched in what our homes can do. And tons of people were assessing their lives. They're like, I bought this house, or I'm living in this apartment, or I'm renting this place because of work proximity, or being close to all, to the proximity to all these different things. And now all of a sudden, I'm reassessing. Is that the long-term need that I have? Do I want to be in this specific place or can I look at other opportunities? Can I move further away from work because now I'm working from home either 100% of the time or even just a fraction of the time that travel isn't as important as it was once before. I speak from personal experience. I'm standing in a room right now, which is now my home office, which is not an office. It's actually the living room. But as we were all home and my wife's like, you know what? We should really do something with that living room now that you've put up a desk in that back corner there. 
let's let's update it. And so people appreciating what their homes have done for them for years, but also what can it do for me in the future was something that we totally saw in 2020. But then there's also this idea that home is more than just the four walls. It is a neighborhood, it is a community, it is where we want to keep our loved ones safe. And so the idea that while we were in our domiciles, the home of family and friends and experiences that we often associate with where we live was something that we grew a greater appreciation for uh, because of that separation that we had. I mean, the home is the only place that you adorn with uh, pictures of people that you love and that are constant reminders. And so it is that special place. I think more people than ever are assessing, hey, we want this place that we call home to be special. So let's go find a place that has the, the things that we want and need that can make it just that. Well, I have in my in my fighter jet, I have a photo of my wife, just like they do in the movies. Uh, so <laughs> I, I mean, I adorn that, but um, that's good. Maybe I'll need to get I'll need to get a fighter jet. Um, so where did you put this uh, campaign? Where did you put uh, the guiding you home campaign? What were some of the channels that you evaluated and, and ended up going with? Well, we were we were planning to launch it on March Madness uh, last year, which um, we actually released it online, put out the press release the week before the tournament started and we were all set for that big rollout. And then obviously they canceled March Madness and basically all of sports canceled everything for most of the year. So we had to really reassess what were we going to do, which was nerve wracking. But I'll tell you what, the, it forced me and my team to say, okay, let's rethink what we're doing. How can we still make an impact, even though this vehicle, which we were going to lean on has been taken away from us. And uh, I really give credit to, to my team and agency partners. And it showed, especially, even though we weren't physically around each other, the people that you have around you as a marketer are as critical to any ROI and media report that you can get because they will really be there to help you when things get a little bit turned upside down, which they did. So we actually made some tweaks to our campaign instead of ending with um, only one real estate brand has been guiding you home for 114 years we decided to change it to a message to feature what we call the hometown heroes, uh, the nurses and airline pilots and truck drivers who were so critical uh, during last year. And we ended our end card with home. It's never been more important. Stay home, stay healthy. And we saw that that ad ended up being the highest rated ad in real estate. We looked at, um, then when we reassessed some budgetary options, we looked at digital and streaming as being a core place for us to get our message out there because of the increase in streaming. So we went across Hulu and we also looked at, you know, what are the marquee opportunities that exist in 2020 that ordinarily wouldn't exist. And so NBA playoffs in the summer and fall is a unique opportunity. And as we saw the market start to come back and we saw signs of like, Hey, you know what, this Q3, Q4 could really be massive in real estate. Let's get our messaging out there. Uh, so we went in with the NBA playoffs and partnered with them and their target market was very much in line with the real estate buyer and seller. And that works great. And we actually saw, uh, based on our, on our spend, doubling the amount of ad exposure that we had originally expected. So uh, it wasn't planned this way. There were cuts and changes along the way, but it really uh, worked out to our benefit. I want to dive in on Hulu for a second because um, I pay for Hulu. I think Hulu's great, to be fully honest. I just think it's awesome. Oh, it is. But I think as an advertiser, I haven't heard a ton of of people, you know, on this show that have that have used it. But I find the ad units extremely compelling. 
And I know it's still really early days. And I know that, you know, there's obviously an ad-free option on Hulu and those sort of things. So, you know, you, you could, you know, potentially price yourself out of, I guess, certain demos or something like that. But I'm just curious, like, how did, why, why were you excited about Hulu and what, what did, what did that look like? Yeah, I think I've, I read a stat somewhere that about um, of cord cutters or self-identified cord cutters, that basically half of them have a Hulu subscription. So we know that, that the cord cutting is, is a massive trend across the media landscape, but even those who haven't cut the cord still have Hulu subscriptions or are viewers because they want that on demand or they're using it through their Apple TVs or Roku's or whatever. That's crazy. Wait, half? Wow, that's a great stat. Yeah, half. I, I think it's from from Hulu. It's probably where I got it from, but... That's right, yeah. But still, I mean, but that's, you know, when you talk about like, you know, grabbing an, an audience, I mean, like, that's a freaking massive, yeah, massively targeted, I mean, as targeted as you can get for this type of spend, you know, I mean, right? Oh, and it's not getting smaller either, right? So we know that that number is, is going to grow. And for, as a, as a brand, Hulu is really offering a unique uh, media outlet because a lot of the other streaming services either haven't figured out how to make an ad platform at it or are like, you know, we're going to go the subscription route and then figure that out down the road. So Hulu has been in the game for a while now. So I think that their, their ad offering, this feels like a plug for Hulu, <laughs> but uh, no, no, it's all good. No, this is, this is great. I mean, this is like, like I said, we've never really talked about it a bunch on the show and like, yeah. I I'm, I'm so fascinated. Maybe we need to get Hulu on the show uh, too, good. because I, I'm just, I mean, so, and the reason why I'm so interested in this, like I, you know, back a, a handful of years ago as I was like charting the, the, the media landscape and you just look at like extremely high quality television with a digital footprint that allows ads. And it's like, obviously Netflix does in and, you know, HBO Max does in and, yep. you know, or HBO, whatever it was then, but HBO Go and... No, it's HBO Max. You're right. They're, they changed the name 10 times, but yes, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well now, yeah, exactly. Well, so, and then um, you just look at that and you're like, well, Hulu like was kind of the only show in town for like a couple years where it was like, hey, if you want to access, you know, this, you know, if... And like you said, if, if, if half of people, half of cord cutters have Hulu and they're actually good at serving that stuff, I, I just think it's a fascinating, I mean, oh, it is. I don't know, for my money, I, I'd rather throw that than like, you know, you know, a broadcast TV event that's, that's not interesting. Yeah. And their targeting options and their audience profiling is good. So it gives you that, that digital offering that you expect from buying a targeted buy in a vehicle in which you can tell a long form story, if you will. And whether it's through exclusive kind of sponsorship and options of like, hey, watch this ad and you get to watch the rest of your show commercial free, like that is prime location where you know people are going to be paying attention. The ads are not skippable either. So you know you've got that engaged viewer and they've really enhanced their um, their content offering too. So their programming is continuing to show growth with, with some great new shows. Yeah. So did you use the uh, the choose an ad option or some of those things? I haven't seen it. I see Corona a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're probably target marketing is what they're doing. I do like a good Corona. <laughs> so we're actually looking at that in um, through both 20 and 21. We're continuing with our Hulu pop, uh, sponsorship. And they've got some different offerings, whether it's, it's called Hot on Hulu, as well as just kind of like, I'll call it run of sight for lack of a better term, uh, type of advertising options based on our audience. So yeah, there's a lot of great options on display. And we, we see streaming as a necessary way to... Uh, partner with a larger media plan. So we like to focus on 
marquee tentpole events to get that mass audience reach like a March Madness, where we know people are tuning in live because they want to see what's going on. And then using uh, Hulu as an offset to fill in the gaps on, all right, where's the audience profiles that we're missing or that we can complement so that we can get some extra recurrence of our messaging uh, at a lower cost and a more efficient way than you would see in broadcast. Yeah, that's really cool. I love that. I mean, well, I, you know, I, I forget what, and I don't know if you're, you're talking about this, but there was the, that show Marvel Runaways that I think was sponsored yeah. by Lyft. Mm-hmm. Um, or they were, then they had product placement in like every episode and stuff like that. And I remember seeing that, uh, I think I wrote an article about it a handful of years ago. Or maybe we talked about it on Marketing Trends, I can't remember. But I was just like, man, this is like somewhere Steven Spielberg is like smiling and nodding at like, like, look at this. You know, product placement in a TV show that's like productized. It's like, wow, that's that's like truly innovative stuff, I think. Oh, yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe listeners don't love it. But I think that, I mean, I personally, I definitely didn't care. I take a lift. So the fact that the people in the show were taking a lift, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And it goes back to this idea of authenticity, too. So where it's authentic and it makes sense and doesn't take away from the storyline and it's real and it's complimentary, that's where it's perfect. Like as a sports fan, I always hated when you watch shows and movies and they had to get like the generic sports team. I'm like, come on, you know, like totally. pay the extra bucks, let's make it real, it's, that'll make the story better. And that's where it makes sense. It's when they're driving in a car and then they're like, hey, this is a new car. Oh yeah, it's my new blah, blah, blah. Like that doesn't feel authentic and it's kind of being forced. But I think that viewers as well as brands benefit when it's a seamless integration and it really makes sense. Yeah, totally. That's really fascinating. So do you do you target both or do you target all sides of the market when you do those big type of campaigns? Like, are you doing like just brand campaigns? Are you doing uh, like, you know, people to, to buy and sell homes? Are you talking about agencies? Uh, and we'll get into global luxury here in a little bit. But when as you're setting up those type of things, what are you looking at? Yeah, we have uh, different segmentations that we're targeting, whether it's through media or even just from our general marketing and product creation. Uh, we have our first-time homebuyer segment. What do they look like using demographic information as well as what has their activity online been to be able to target against them? Uh, we have our, we'll call them a second-time seller, which is really some of our sweet spots, people who've been through the process before, maybe looking for a move-up type of property. And then, yes, targeting, whether it's our own agents or in the industry, is, is also a big thing for us uh, because we're constantly recruiting agents who are wanting to join CoBankers so we can increase our market share. So we're looking at all those things, whether it's on-demand, social targeting, that all plays a role. And there's a handy-dandy Venn diagram that's part of our media uh, deck that showcases yeah. where those all fit. And we can have the broad reach on a March Madness and then highly targeted across social and dynamic ads on search to then making sure that we're hitting some of those specialized segments across Hulu and, and YouTube and Facebook. So you mentioned NBA playoffs as like a 10 pole kind of strategy, you know, something that obviously we were, we were all stuck in our homes and getting sports back was huge. But what, what was it like working, you know, with the NBA doing, doing that sort of stuff? Um, was this something that you'd done in the past? I know normally you, you think about March Madness. Um, so I'm just curious how that went. Yeah, we um, actually did the buy through Turner, uh, was a great partner. And because sports was just coming back and a lot of advertisers last year just kind of shut down and weren't wanting to spend anything, uh, they're really great partners. And there was a lot of flexibility with what we wanted to do 
the value that we were getting, the added value bonuses that were part of it. Um, and it was one of those rare like moments in time when you know you wouldn't have been ordinarily thought of it, but then all of a sudden it opened up the door like, hey, well, this is this is a big game in town. Let's go check it out. And we did some audience profiling and it did fit not only the buyer or seller, but the index of NBA viewers against those who work for a real estate uh, company was really high. And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen anyone report that on an index chart before. So it, it made sense. And uh, we got a lot of value for it. I think um, we basically doubled our exposure last year because of that. And just that the, there was a lot of demand for wanting to watch live sports. And there was a lot of flexibility with what we could do from spend. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you personally involved in those negotiations like as the CMO? I mean, are you the one sitting at the table with Turner and things like that? Or is that something that, you know, folks on your team handle? I have a great team that that handles a lot of that and, and agency partners that have done it. Um, but yeah, typically they're coming back saying, here's the offering, here's what we can do. And what I love and what we like to do with any partner is want to make sure that's aligned from from our brand perspective, like who's the audience, even the messaging that is being brought forth, then really makes sense for us. I'm less interested in buying media than I am finding the right partner. Totally. And right vehicle for our for brands to work together. It's worked well in the past. And I think that this this worked uh, in in lieu of March Madness, which has been a great partnership for us uh, in the past. But I think that it for this moment in time, the NBA really met the needs that we had. Uh, and it was it was a good experience and we got a ton of value out of it. Yeah, that's really cool. It's always, you know, especially with with finding the right partnerships, you know, it's it's something that I, I, I always am curious how much, you know, different CMOs have their kind of like, you know, well, I just am a basketball fan, so I want to sponsor the NBA. <laughs> or like, I'm a huge football fan, so I want to sponsor, you know, college football. Or I want a jersey patch or whatever. We had a great episode recently talking about lending tree and their jersey patch on on the uh yeah on the charlotte hornets which like i Mm -hmm. just i just love stuff like that i mean i just think it's like because you can get so creative with it and you can work on like you said 10 pole messaging uh 10 pole you know broad reach platform and then all of all of the other kind of like speed boats that are around that that go everywhere else and you've also partnered with some really cool organizations in St. Jude Children's Hospital and, and others. Yeah. Um, how do you look at those type of partnerships? Yeah, it, it really comes down to how does it connect with our brand from a, from a large partnership standpoint. So uh, recently we announced a partnership with James Edition for our global luxury listings and the standard of which we hold the global luxury program and our luxury agents that makes the perfect fit. I mean, Cole Banker sells more million dollar homes than any other real estate brand. Uh, and James Edition's uh, clientele and audience fits perfectly with with our target uh, for the luxury home buyer and seller. Oh, million dollar home. Yeah. The 2-1 in, in Oakland, California. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but even beyond that, like St. Jude's is a fantastic example. So they're like, you're a real estate brand. What's why St. Jude? And when it, they first approached us about like, hey, we were actually... Uh, one of my coworkers, Tori Keshinjay, who oversees our media, she gave a presentation at an event a couple of years ago and someone from St. Jude's was there. They came up to her and they're like, your story is really interesting. I think it connect with ours. And when we got to talking with them, the, the 
light went on for me. It's like, wow, we're in the business of home. We want to get people into a home. We've been all about home, the emotional and rational side for 114 years. St. Jude's is all about getting people home too. They want to get those kids healthy and back home and back to a normal life and create those opportunities as quickly as they possibly can. And I looked at that as like, wow, this makes sense. We're, the mission of both of our organizations is to get people home. And they just do such amazing work. And so we created a partnership whereby our agents can sign up to be part of the CB Support St. Jude program. And then uh, a donation is made for every home sold during whatever period of time our agent wants to dictate, months, six months, full year, whatever it might be, and allows them access to some of the marketing uh, materials to showcase that property as being a support St. Jude's home. And so we're really excited about that partnership. We've, uh, we have a goal for, um, for making donations for St. Jude's for the full year. And I want to not only exceed that, I want to crush that goal and help out those kids there, but it's a fantastic organization. And, and those are the type of partnerships that are more than just slapping a logo on something. It really speaks to the core of what we do. Yeah, that's incredible. I love that it's something that it's tangential, but it meets, you know, how you think about things. Um, it's not just related to, you know, buying and selling a home that, you know, it's about, it's about purpose and, and, and finding those things. Yeah. So obviously tons of different partnerships, lots of different kind of efforts in, in, in the past year. What does it look like for 2021? What's the strategy? Uh, what, what are some changes? What else is on the horizon? Yeah, 21, um, 2020 taught me a lot. And as a person, as a CMO, as a marketer, and our team. And I really feel like it helped set the stage for what will be, I think, a great year in 21. I think we've found the need for our team and our partners on how can we be more nimble, more scrappy in what we're doing, whether it's from a media investment standpoint, whether it's from the day-to-day -day marketing aspects of it, and really stripping things down and getting back to the core of what we do and making sure our message is consistent and authentic out there. And the rebrand has really set the stage for that as well. It allowed us to kind of hit the reset button and say like, all right, all that old stuff is now gone. We've got a fresh new palette and let's be consistent with how we're approaching this from a design, from a messaging standpoint and so on. So I think the stage is set for a really great 21. Uh, I'm excited that all signs point to March Madness being back. It's going to be a little bubble in Indianapolis. So we're going to yeah. renew that partnership and be back on that to um, roll out our campaign there again. So I'm looking forward to that. And then seeing some of the flexibilities and the improvements over what we learned last year on Hulu, on social, from a dynamic ad standpoint, that we can take those learnings, as well as the enhanced effectiveness of our messaging and our design that we're seeing through our ad units, and really making that uh, the value of our marketing dollar go further in 21. Follow-up question on the Hulu stuff that I was just thinking about. Yeah. As you're looking at, you know, like opportunities in the future, do you like watch TV and watch certain shows and then think like, wow, thematically, we would be a great fit. How do we, how can we figure out something there? Because, you know, I'm always so curious about, you know, the old model of time slots and, and, you know, kind of standard programming for TV and how that's bought and sold versus, you know, these new types of, you know, dynamic insertion um, and different sorts of, of partnerships with, uh, with apps where, 
you know, it's going to get better and better and better and we're going to be more creative. I'm curious if you, if you, if you see those type of shows and you're like, you know, that's where I want Coldwell Banker to be is, you know, right at, you know, whatever, flip or flop or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yes. All, all the time. I'm an avid TV watcher. You know, I've, I've binged my fair share of shows over the past few months, but yeah, that is absolutely something that crosses my mind. And I remember years ago thinking of like, Hey, I wish someone would come up with and so this is copyrighted, David Marine, anybody steals this idea and runs with it, just send me a royalty check. But the closed captioning, like that feels like that is uh, content that is not being mined right now. I love it. And can someone read the, the closed captioning and when keywords or phrases come up that triggers, you know what, let's throw a cold banker ad up in the next commercial break to make that association. But yeah, so... Let me know if you get any interest in that concept. But yeah, uh, from even just looking at the landscape, whether it's it's um, streaming services or, or linear TV, where are those partnerships the right fit? I've even thought about, um, and my, my team will laugh when they hear this, is uh, a couple years ago, I pitched the idea of, should the Cole Banker origin story be its own TV show? Because it's really a compelling thing. Totally. About a guy who started a real estate company, he's a college dropout, earthquake captain, sees shady business going on in his hometown of San Francisco and decides to set up his own business. And what, what's the kind of like things he had to get through and who didn't like that he was set, setting up a shop based on integrity and doing what's right. So that's something that's, that's in, sitting in the corner here and maybe when the, the timing is right. But yeah, I think you got to find out where those not only um, media opportunities just from a buy standpoint, but the partnerships that really make sense for your brand to connect with. And the easy thing for real estate companies like, oh, we'll just go on HGTV, go on DIY. But those, they're, they're very saturated markets and you'll find us there. Ooh, totally. But uh, looking for where is that new ground where you can really stand out and it makes sense and you're doing something that no one else is doing. Yeah. So then that's kind of why I asked the question where it's like, you know, when you see I'm trying to think of a good example, but like whatever, Marvel's Runaways, for example, like that show, I'm sure, you know, Lyft, when they were looking at that partnership was like, you know, it's, it's going to be a young audience. Um, you know, it's, it's geared towards, you know, that, that demographic of probably people between the age of whatever, 12 and 20, maybe, I don't know. And we want those people to be taking lifts, you know, and that's a good, that's a good fit. But again, it's not like, you know, a one-to-one -one thing. Um, whereas like, you know, if you were to see Marvel Runaways where you're like, well, you know, there's probably a lot of, you know, parents that are watching this show with their kids um, that want to watch, you know, a Marvel show that are, you know, sick of seeing the Rugrats running around and, you know, 800 square feet and, and need to move or something like that. But you, because that's where you get like the tangential nature of marketing where you really see, you know, crossover audiences and win-wins rather than doing the, the thing like, you know, okay, everybody's going to be where flip or flop is because uh, of course they are, because that's, that's the obvious choice. That's the easy choice as a marketer. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you brought up Marvel Runaways. So we actually did a partnership a couple of years ago with uh, one of the X-Men films. Oh, really? And I remember, yeah, with um, uh, X-Men Apocalypse. And I remember getting the call from someone at 20th Century Fox who was like, hey, would you be interested in a partnership in this film? And, I, and the first thought in my mind is, how am I going to explain this to my superiors? But what I saw with it was not like, hey, this from an audience profile fits our bill perfectly. 
It was, this is a unexpected area for us to move into that has a broad appeal, but you know what? There's a piece in this that I think can really connect back to the core of what we do. And the idea was that 70% of the movie occurred within the X-Men mansion. And that is one of the most signature homes in film lore. And there was a lot of fertile ground there. Totally. So it was like, what if we could list the X-Mansion? What if we could, you know, give a tour of it and we could use some footage from it and create an actual page for it on our site and with an agent, all that kind of stuff. And I thought that there was a lot of opportunity there. And one of the great things with being a part of Cole Banker is every step of the way, the leadership has been willing to take risks, to step out and try something new. And they were like, yep, let's, let's go with it. Let's try it out. And it turned out to be one of the single biggest public relations and social uh, campaigns that I've ever been a part of. When at its core, you would have looked at it and been like, why is a real estate brand you know, being part of a comic book movie? But then all of a sudden, the network got excited about it and it created this, this really momentum. So looking for those opportunities, and they're few and far between, but when you find the right one that makes sense, a lot of times it's not because, yes, this is the perfect fit, but you know what? It's worth taking a chance and stepping out to make something uh, different so that you're being noticed versus just fitting in with expectations. I didn't know you did that. That's really cool. I want to go check this out. I'll send you some videos afterwards. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, that's a really cool. That's a really cool campaign. And that's a good segue into the into um, global luxury. Uh, and you mentioned it a little bit, but so how has this you know, this part of the brand changed? Yeah, Global Luxury, the rebrand of Global Luxury was, I thought was going to be a tough one because, so we rebranded the core brand, the core offering, and that kind of has, we sold people on that. And then it was, we knew going into 2020 that we wanted to align the Global Luxury program with the core branding because it would just give a lift across all aspects of our business, the luxury home buyers, the, the main market buyers, and we need to do that. However, the global luxury audience of agents is very um, discerning, if you will, totally about what they want to have to be associated with their name and their clientele. So one of the great things is we did is we brought in top agents and teams internationally as well as domestically to be part of the process, to go through different iterations, get their feedback, what they liked, what they didn't like. And where we landed I could not have predicted nor written a better script that we had literally the number one agent in the company, Jade Mills, uh, out of Beverly Hills, California, who on a call when reviewing the design says, this is better than anything we've ever had before. That's awesome. And so I was like, somebody recording this Zoom meeting because <laughs> I need this. I'm going to play this on a loop. Um, and we released it as part of our virtual Gen Blue in, in September. And the response to it was fantastic. And so having gone through the rebrand and like the, the initial rebrand of like, oh, I don't know, should we do this or not? Can we just stay with what we had to then see this be rolled out with such great uh, acceptance and adoption uh, was truly incredible. So we're, we're excited for 21 rolling this out on a larger scale. We have some uh, media plans and partnerships in the works that we're hoping to, to make a big splash in this and continue, you know, the coal banker dominance in the luxury space. Yeah. And, and, uh, and our listeners, you can just go to coldwellbankerluxury.com to check it out. I've been, you know, it's great browsing the, the houses in the Bay Area. Uh, and like I said, you can, you can see the, uh, the five and $10 million houses. And then, uh, you know, the houses in, in, in Oakland and San Francisco that are, uh, you know, a nice little three, two for uh, 1.6. 
Oh, and if you want a dream, just go to our, our Instagram handle at, at Coldwell Banker. Um, it's all luxury listings all the time. And you'll just be like, yes, I need this place. I just need 45 of my friends to all pitch in, you know, $500,000 and we can buy it. Yeah, seriously. Well, uh, before we get to our lightning round, any, uh, anything else, any, uh, anything else that's, uh, that's coming up or that you're excited about? I'm really excited about the first uh, first two quarters of the year from a real estate perspective. Uh, great momentum. Q4 was just, you know, seeing the activity in the interest around real estate has really given us momentum as a brand, as a company heading into 21. And I'm excited to continue to see this, this rebrand be adopted by our network across the globe. I'm getting pictures sent from like, hey, here's the North Star on top of a mountain. In, in Colorado outside of Vail. And uh, here it is in, in Italy. And just to see this type of adoption excitement around how our network is adopting it and then they're using it as a way to separate themselves in their local markets has really been an incredible experience. And I couldn't give enough credit to my team uh, who has done all this, this amazing rollout, seen these fantastic numbers and return on investments, all while doing it in the middle of a pandemic balancing work and life. And so it's really a testament to, to what's been done. Awesome. I'm excited too. Uh, it's going to be, I think, pretty big bounce back here. Okay, let's get to our lightning round questions. You know these, so we're going to have to mix them up here. <laughs> okay. But they're still fast and easy. Don't worry. Just like marketing with Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Lightning round questions. David, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. What is your prediction for the Mets record in 2021? Oh, I'm going to go conservative and say uh, 92 wins. <laughs> 92 wins. All right. Um, go team. Favorite offseason acquisition? Oh, Lindor, for sure. Best shortstop in baseball. If... You could interview one guest on this podcast, or really any podcast. Who would your guest be? J.J. Uh, Abrams. Uh, I want to get the skinny on what really happened with the Rise of Skywalker storyline and set, um, <laughs> and then get to the bottom of that. The second and third movies are literally different movies. <laughs> it's insane. Oh, they are. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I, Yeah. I love the second movie. I love the direction. I honestly, I love them all. I don't, I don't care that much, but um, I definitely wish that they had kind of went in the J.J. Abrams direction. I do too. I've grown to appreciate the Last Jedi. I didn't like it initially, but uh, I'm a big J.J. Abrams fan to begin with. So I, kn I know that there's something behind all of this, and he should have been given the leeway to do his own story. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was just, it was like pretty obvious that they just kind of like backtracked a lot of his stuff. Oh yeah. Um, I, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, I like, and again, like, you know, movies like that, I just, you know, I think that like with Disney properties too, you just have, especially with Star Wars, because it's like the biggest franchise ever. I think they just, you know, they get over their skis a little bit and how much story they want to tell in a certain amount of time. Oh yeah. And then it's like, you go look at like Mandalorian and you're just like, this is why this is like the best show on TV yeah. is because it's so it's paced so well. We're like, it's just so slow and plotting and methodical. And it has like action and not action and character development and all that stuff. And that was, you know, the magic of the first three Star Wars films were like, you got this like instant connection with all the characters, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, 
I don't know. It was like, I think the first, the third movie is just sad to see them all, uh, to go anyways. <laughs> and so yeah. you couple that with like kind of the weird storytelling choices and you're just like, Oh man. I know. Give credit to John Favreau and Dave Filoni with the Mandalorian, like what they're doing part of that story. Cause it is unbelievable. It doesn't matter if you're a star Wars fan or not. you you grow to appreciate, uh, that storyline. It's fantastic. It's just incredible. Yeah, it's it's the best show on television. It's so good. Agreed. Anything else that you're binging these days? Binging. Uh, we've started, it's Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, the comedy with um, Andy Samberg. Yeah. Never watched it originally, and uh, I find it hilarious. And Andre Brower, fantastic in that. I'm not sure if he won Emmys for it, but he's he's awesome. David, that's it. That's all we got for today. This has been awesome. Uh, you're great, as always. Uh for our listeners, check out coldwellbanker.com. If you need a home, if you're buying or selling, go find an agent. Uh, anything else? Any any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Yeah. If uh, anyone wants to follow us on social, at Coldwell Banker on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Great ways to interact with a lot of the content we have and even dream about what your future home could be. But thanks so much for having me again, Ian. Yeah, for sure. We'll, have, we'll do a Star Wars-specific uh, marketing trends episode in the future. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> uh, I love it. Thanks, David. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com 
forward slash marketing trends.